Okay, good evening everyone. I'm broadcasting live September 13th, 2015. And today we are broadcasting um, as usual on our meditation page, meditation.surimangalo.org unless you're on our Android app. But today I have some interesting news to share. Can you all see that? Yes. Oops, wait, that's not the beginning. Oh no, stop, stop. Yikes. Okay, not, not the smooth presentation I was hoping for. Here we are. So you open it opens up. This is an iPhone. Logged in. List and these circles around them are the time left. So you see this guy's got some time left. This is how he's showing that there's time left. And here's the sliders. And it's actually got a timer. So he's like taking the app that I made and blown it out of the water. This is a professional. Uh, and he's got he doesn't show us these two tabs I don't think there's anything in them yet and this isn't actually sending the time to the server yet but like that's pretty impressive that is very nice so those of you who are intent on sticking with the iOS Looks like we might have a solution. Anyway, so that's some good news, potentially. Tonight we have a quote from the Dhammapada, a really awesome story that has a great moral to it. It's also very long. Robin, will you read the first paragraph and I'll read the rest? Sure. From the day the Lord said that in four months' time he would pass into final nirvana, thousands of people came to wait upon him. Those who had not yet attained the fruits of stream winning could not restrain their tears, and those who had not attained enlightenment felt a deep sorrow and walked around in small groups saying, what will we do? But one monk named Dhammarama kept separate from the other, and when asked what was the matter with him, he gave no reply. He had thought to himself, the Lord has said that in four months' time he will attain final nirvana, and I am not still free from desire. Thus, while the Lord lives, I will strive to attain enlightenment. Accordingly, Dhammarama kept to himself, recollecting, pondering, and calling to mind the Lord's Dhamma. The monks went to the Tathagata and said, Reverend Sir, Dhammarama has no affection for you. Since you announced the time of your final nirvana, he has nothing to do with us. The Lord had Dhammarama called to him and asked, Is it true what they say, that you have nothing to do with the other monks? Yes, Reverend Sir, it is true. Why do you do this? I do it thinking thus. The Lord has said that in four months' time he will attain final nirvana, and I am still not free from desire. Thus, while the Lord lives, I will strive to attain enlightenment. Accordingly, I keep to myself, recollecting, pondering, and calling to mind the Lord's Dhamma. Excellent monk, excellent, said the Lord. Then the Lord addressed the other monks, saying, Every monk should show his affection for me in the way Dhammarama has done. They who honor me with garlands, perfume, and so on, honor me not. But they who practice the Dhamma in all its parts, they honor me in the best way. Say, uh, it's a classic story um, of misunderstanding and how difficult it is to really get how most people are have a hard time getting the to 
truth behind the Buddha's teaching. So you have the monks who thought they were doing the right thing, wandering around moaning and lamenting at the Buddha's passing, spending all their time hanging out in groups. And hanging out with the Buddha, trying to get the, spend a lot of time with the Buddha before he passes away. And they think that this guy, Dhammarama, 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 means one who, one who loves the Dhamma. Uh, was refusing to be involved with them and so they criticized him. They even criticized him to the Buddha. And the Buddha said, Anye napi mayi sineha vantena bhikkuna nama dhamma sadhiseneva bhavitabhang One who, one who loves me, one who has affection for me, right? They should be like, be like Dhammarama, the one who loves the Dhamma. And again, he says the Dhamma in all its parts, which isn't really a translation. The word is Dhamma Anudhamma, which means practicing the Dhamma in order to realize the Dhamma. Dhamma nu Dhamma. That's how they that's how the tradition explains the word. It could also be explained as uh, practicing the Dhamma of Dhammas, you know, of all teachings, practicing the best of all teachings, you could say. The Dhamma of the, 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 the Dhamma of Dhammas. And then he gave the, this is a Dhammapada verse. This is a story behind the Dhammapada verse. And then he says, Dhammaramo Dhammarato Dhammang Anuvichintayang Dhammang Anusarang Bhikkhu Sadhammana Parihayati One who loves the Dhamma, one who is uh, delighted by the Dhamma, one who thinks often of the Dhamma, Anuvinchayatam. Yes, to meditate, one who ponders the Dhamma, who recollects the Dhamma. The bhikkhu who recollect bhikkhu recollecting the Dhamma doesn't uh, doesn't fall away from the Saddhamma. Saddhamma naparihayati doesn't fall away from the true Dhamma. That's Dhammapada, verse 364. So, it, I mean, this is a part of the this bigger teaching of how of the limits of ceremony and ritual and social involvement, um, engagement, the limits of engagement in terms of and practicing the Buddha's teaching and how important it is or where the importance lies how the importance lies in the practice of the Dhamma the focusing on the teachings you know often we recite the teachings or we revere the teachings but we don't our minds aren't our hearts aren't in the teachings we're not focused on the teachings. We're not actually practicing the teachings. It's a very good story for reminding us and making clear what Buddhism is. Buddhism is about the teachings. It's not about the Buddha. When they cried, when Ananda cried that the Buddha was passing away, he said something that seems rather cold, actually. He says, haven't I told you that all things that you hold dear will one day fade away? Or something along those lines. 
he has no he, he gives no quarter to the affection that ananda has for him he takes himself as just like an uh, uh, an inanimate object a thing this thing that you hold dear ananda all things that you hold dear you one day have to part with But the Dhamma, the Dhamma is constant. The Dhamma is our refuge. Make the Dhamma your refuge. So the Buddha said, when you make the Dhamma your refuge, that's how you make yourself a refuge. Make a refuge of yourself. Atahiyata no nato. So that's the Dhamma for tonight. This nice story. there happen to be any questions there are i have a multi-part question bante i heard you talk yesterday about how your mind isn't working well after 8 p.m since you stop eating at noon what is your stance on taking vitamins and would you accept a gift of vitamins you could take after your last meal to keep your body well nourished uh i've looked at that in the past and Medicine, if you're not sick, medicine, if you're sick, you can take anytime, day or night, and can keep your entire life. But you can only take it when you're sick. So you have to already be sick in the sense of malnourished. No, yeah, I mean, with vitamins, it would be something like clearly suffering from malnourishment, which I'm not. Um, but as food... Otherwise, if one is not sick, it's considered food. Um, even salt is considered a food, for example. Any kind of mineral, that kind of thing, is all considered food. Uh, it's, it can be considered either food or medicine. If it's mixed with food and if it's taken when you're not ill, then it's food. And so there it has to be offered and eaten between um, sunrise and noon. And at, at the moment of noon, it has to be forfeited. So it can't be kept. So there are, I know some monasteries where the, they, they offer uh, these omega-3 oils or something, some kind of oil capsules to the monks. Maybe it's flaxseed oil or something. Which is awesome. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, there's. I'm probably not getting the greatest nutrition, but, you know, it becomes an obsession. It's not really the point. You know, there's nothing wrong with being tired. There's nothing wrong with losing energy at 10 p.m. You know, it's been a long day. Time to let the body wind down. I'm okay with that. It's really not going to kill me. You know, even a little bit of um, malnourishment compared to, you know, I mean, it's a scale really. Science talks about how you have to eat this, and you know, nutritionists tell you you need this and that. Or what? You won't die. I mean, look at monkeys or, or even primitive people in primitive societies. I mean, we can argue back and forth, but I'm sure there are lots of people who live fine with less nutrition. You know, there's vegetarian societies that certainly don't get all the nutrition that they should, according to nutritionists. And so as a result, yeah, they probably like... In Sri Lanka, a lot of people don't seem to have a lot of energy. They're kind of laid back and, and hang out a lot. There's a lot of them are vegetarian. But it's, it's a different um, culture, you know. There's no concern about nutrition. Not the way we have it. Anyway, I don't want to get into too much detail there, but I certainly don't want to become obsessed with this and have it be a thing where the monks in our monastery are have to be given vitamins or something. But if someone wanted to give me a vitamin, I wouldn't refuse it, I don't think. Seems like a, there's a lot in those vitamins, though. Nowadays, vitamins are also expecting that you eat a lot of food as well. I don't know. I've taken them before, but not really, not really all that interested. Sometimes when you take them on an empty stomach, too, it can upset your stomach. Mm. They are strong. 
Um, I had a question that someone had asked me to ask on their behalf, another person in, in Europe who can't be here. Mm -hmm. um, if a person is interested in having a local meditation group, a local community, there's no Theravada um, community in their area, and they go to a different tradition, a, a Mahayana tradition, but try to maintain the type of meditation that we practice here. He wanted to know your thoughts on that. That's great, for sure. Let us know. Well, uh, you know, if if um, if our organization grows, we can start having a list of places. You know, here's a group practicing in our tradition. There's a group. We probably should have one with all sorts of Mahasi Sayadaw based groups. We should have a directory of just Mahasi Sayadaw groups. That's something we can ask our volunteer group if somebody would be willing to look into that and put a list like that together. We can have, we used to have a wiki, but we can open up a subsite called wiki.surimonglo.org and have all sorts of stuff like that on it. Yeah, that would be good. I've opened it before, but it was never really useful or used because our organization has never really grown. But that may be changing now. Yeah. I think it would be good to have because so many people, even people who follow you and are in our tradition, they immediately go to the the one that's really easy to find, the SN Goenka, um, yeah. just because that information is so easy to find and, and they're, yeah. uh, it's the convenient one. Yeah, well, we should start looking at that. Let's put it on our agenda for next weekend. Uh, we're going to sure have a thing. meeting for the next time we have a meeting. Two weeks from today, will do. If one is well established in meditation and the Dhamma, how easy is it to ordain as a monk in a foreign country? Or what would you recommend as a preparation before doing this? I mean, how easy is it to ordain in a foreign country is a very difficult question to answer. Ordination is an interesting thing. I mean, real ordination is sometimes very easy and sometimes very difficult. And a lot of that depends on your karma because ordination is a very powerful thing and it's a very specific karma to be that in that way associated with the Buddha. Um, for me, it was very difficult at first, two years of just like a total block I was unable to. And then suddenly, the day of ordination, it was the absolute easiest thing in the world. It, uh, it was like I was pushed to it because I wasn't even intending to ordain. I was intending to ordain as a novice. And uh, everything just conspired to make it happen. On the other hand, um, I, I, we ordained this. I ordained one of my students as a, a, an eight-precept nun. This isn't even a seminary, it's not even an official thing, but she was going to shave her head and put on white robes. And the amount of trouble that we had, I mean, you'd think it was just the Thai society, but that wasn't it at all. Uh, or that wasn't all of it. In the beginning, that was it. You know, they weren't going to ordain. I couldn't ordain her because I didn't have, you know, I could ordain her, but it wouldn't be recognized. We needed to get a card for her because the whole thing was it was, useful for getting a visa. They've got this thing where if women become a meiji, then they can get a visa. And uh, so we went around trying to find a monk who would ordain her, but let her come and stay in our mo in my monastery because she wanted to continue with our tradition, with our practice, or under my guidance, actually. There was no other place that was really seemed suitable. But all the other teachers, you know, they wanted her to stay with them or else no. And so we got a we got a monk who would do it, and then he we went to his place, and he had been just visited by someone who told him, who warned him not to do it, that he would get in trouble because of it. Finally, we got permission from the local authority monk to do it in his name. He would ordain us, ordain her, but I would actually do the ceremony, and he would sign for it and do the whole card. So we went back to our monastery, got set up had the robes, she offers the robes to me for inspection. I open the robes up, give them back to her, and say, okay, go put the robes on. And she goes with this other woman, meditate, female meditator, off, and they come back and they say, you know, 
this is only this isn't the, the the I don't know how to put these robes on and I think it's just two lower robes and it turns out indeed it was two sarongs there was no there was no actual robe whoever had bought the robes for her had bought the wrong thing I mean it was just absolutely if you if you watch the day progress everything conspired against us up into that last moment where I said look there's an old bed sheet that isn't being used go go take it out it was like on the floor in the corner of the kuti. I said, go take that old bed sheet. It's white. Put it on. <laughs> take a bobby pin and uh, to keep it on. And we're going to do this. And it was just awesome. Like like pushing, uh, pushing to make it happen until finally we just eked out this ordination. And I've seen that elsewhere with monks, how it just doesn't happen. So... Meaning is it's it, I get. I mean, just the meaning is that I can't answer that question. You, if you're intent on ordaining, there are so many specific variables, including where you, which country are you talking about, which monastery are you talking about. Every place is different. If you want to know about Thailand, for example, I could tell you about the situation in Thailand. They don't. They claim now that they don't want to ordain foreigners, but I don't know. I mean. Some foreigners tend to ordain very easily in Thailand. So seems money seems to help. Um, Sri Lanka, on the other hand, seems to be fairly easy, but there's the whole visa issue. It's very complicated, fairly complicated. Again, money helps, I think. Burma, there are ways, but you have to go there and meditate. Most places they want you to meditate with them. They don't care if you've been meditating elsewhere. You have to start with them and you have to go through months or years well months anyway of meditation with them before they'll consider you whatever happened with the eight eight precept nun did she stick with it she became a bhikkhuni eventually oh good for her I'm pretty sure she's still ordained i can't imagine she ever disrobed good for her she's, uh, it's palanyani she's in some of the videos that when we were in sri lanka Oh, okay. And you said you were never uh you were never a novice? You went right from meditator to to full bhikkhu? Yeah, in Thailand they don't if you're over twenty they ordain you right away as a bhikkhu. So the way it goes is you ordain as a novice and then the same day you're ordained as a bhikkhu. I don't understand how enlightened beings how enlightened beings feel pain. You said in your video that an enlightened being can feel pain, but there is no attachment to it. So if I have severe chronic pain, it won't go away, it won't wear off. Do you want the pain to go away? The answer is yes, you're not enlightened. That's the key. That's the only difference. Can one enter the monastic life with IRS and or student loan debt, or must that be at zero? Technically, no. If you have a debt, you can't ordain. Yeah, there are a few categories, aren't there, for, that disqualify you for ordaining? Yeah. Debt is one of them. If you do have debt and you do ordain, you're still a monk. It's just you, anyone who knowingly ordains you when you have a debt has broken a very minor rule, but has broken a rule. And it's kind of lying, you know, because you, you're asked the question whether you have debt. Ananosi, are you in debt? Then you have to say nati bhante, no venerable sir. What are the other things that bar you from ordaining? Um, you have to be human. You have to be a man. This is for bhikkhu ordination. Manusosi, Purisosi, Bhujisosi, you know, Manusosi, Purisosi, 
Manonosi Nasiraja Pato, are you uh, in the king's service? So if you're in the king's service, uh, some people would try to escape it, like if you're in the army, for example, if you're conscripted. Uh, you can't because the kings would feel obligated to let them go. So it was a it was a way of escaping conscription, which you know I mean it's nice to help those people, but it's not a very good reason to ordain as a monk. Do you have your parents' permission? Paripuna Visati was Osi, are you twenty years old? Paripuna te patajiwurang, do you have your your robes fully complete? And do you not have one of the five diseases? There are these five or or any debilitating disease really that's gonna be make you just a burden. I mean it, it lead led people to ordain just to get, you know, taken care of. Which is which is a reason why we don't allow people. Who have debilitating diseases to ordain. I mean, there's other reasons. You just can't really perform very well. But the main one is it's there. There, it leads to problems where people want to ordain just to be taken care of. That was the reason. I often see Buddhist monks here in Phnom Penh walking around Phnom barefoot. Penh. Say it again. Phnom Penh. Phnom Penh, walking around barefoot despite the garbage and grime of the streets. Is it part of the Buddhist rule to follow this practice? Seems like a sure way to pick up an infection. It's pretty awesome that we've got someone from Phnom Penh. It is. Um, I got to tell the Kim, my Cambodian friend, um, the Cambodian monks. Uh, well, the feet are, are surprisingly resilient unless you get a deep cut. Um, I've got, I got a fairly bad infection on the bottom of my foot, but it's glass that does it, um, which wasn't really around in the Buddhist time. Glass is a big problem. But, you know, you live with it. I had this funny... It was my own fault, really, because... Along with glass has come antibiotics, and probably you should take some antibiotics if you get you get if you know if they take the glass out, they'll bandage you up. Um, but there are other ways. I, I got this this infection in Sri Lanka, and I was so sure there was a piece of glass still in there. There wasn't. The doctors, so the doctors put some some. Uh, what, the thing to anyway they stuck scissors up into my foot and uh, poked around and couldn't find anything then they bandaged it up and gave me some antibiotics now they bandaged it up so somehow I assumed that that made it clean but they'd stuck these scissors and they weren't concerned about cleanliness because they just give me the antibiotics and it kills whatever infection is going to come from it so later on I was doing my broadcast and I was feeling dizzy and uh, I think it was dizziness, and there was a doctor listening. She's in Canada, and she said dizziness is a sign of infection, or some something was a sign of infection. I think it was dizziness, and I so I, I opened it up, and sure enough, my foot was swollen, and it was grotesque. So I stopped going on alms round, and I started eating garlic, raw garlic. One of the guy, one of the lay people, offered me for 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 the meal i would mix it with take bread and and raw garlic i ate about three bulbs and a bulb is the big thing three of them and the infection went away what was i talking about? what was the point of all that the um, the monks walking around barefoot so is is that tradition is it a rule or did they probably just not have shoes no it's a rule in fact the rule is we can't go into the village with shoes on we're only allowed shoes in the wilderness. And I have a story for that as well. So I won't tell the whole story, but I got lost once. And I was only wearing sandals. And some of the jungle trees have these uh, uh, spiky balls 
like the, their seeds have spikes and they're mean and vicious. So I was like walking through carpets of these things up and down hills. The number of thorns like these, and the, the thorns on these spiky balls break off when they go in. So the number of thorns that I had in my feet and hands and arms and the scratches I had, that story, I won't tell the whole story because it's too long, but man, that was an experience in, in Dukkha. I've still got a huge scar from a stick that almost went through my hand. I mean, I was lost in the middle of the night. Eventually I got found by a hunter I heard I heard gunshots fairly close by a poacher because they poach uh, they, they hunt illegally up in the hills and I was so excited I started walking towards him and then I was thinking wait a minute <laughs> this is really a good idea he was spooked to see me like, what are you doing up here <laughs> I wasn't angry I was like, I was like what the heck what are you doing up here? He gave me some water and he told me, go down to the bottom of the ravine and follow the ravine all the way back. I didn't have a flashlight. And there was a path through the ravine, but there were also thorns. And because I didn't have a flashlight, I couldn't see the path, so I'd constantly be walking off of it and getting a face full of thorns. And, and the thorns in Thailand, in the jungles, they're not like thorns like this, they're thorns like this. So you go into them, and then they hook like this. And the more you pull, the harder they shred. And when they catch on your robes, they tear your robes to shreds. Just vicious. And each one is tipped with the worst kind of bacteria you can imagine, so that each one becomes infected. <laughs> Thai, Thai, the jungles of Asia are, are not something you can... Not to be laughed at, not to be taken lightly, light, lightly. How long did it take to recover from that? That sounds awful. Yeah, I was um, like a week later, I was, it was about a week, I suppose. I mean, I, it, it, more than a week later, I was still finding these little tips of the thorns in my fingers and in, in my toes. And, I mean, they would, those weren't causing real problems, but they, you know, oh, there's still one in there. <laughs> to pull it out. But uh, this one, this scar here, I got a scar, you can't see it, but uh, this stick, when I was climbing down into the ravine, I kind of slipped, or I didn't slip, but I turned and put my hand down to, to brace myself, and it went, a stick went right almost through my hand. And like a week later in Chiang Mai, in Wat Lampung, I was staying, I looked at it, and it was kind of, hot and then I pushed on it and sure enough this huge glop of infected matter came out very dangerous but uh, that went away you know if you're if you're if you're vigilant with infections they're not that bad but if you let your guard down do you support the ordination of bikunis Absolutely. Absolutely. Without much qualification. I mean, except for the qualification that the Buddha warned us to be careful because it means that now you have two genders. Uh, I mean, maybe he was warning more because of the culture at the time. Um, some women would ordain to escape um, society because society was really hard on women so again it's about ordaining for the wrong reasons perhaps I don't know but in today's climate there's no difference there's no perceivable difference in the west especially um, between men and women gender roles are blurred to say the least so I don't see the reason for not ordaining them especially when the rules seem to allow it. And it's a bit complicated. I talked about this recently. I, many of you have heard it already. Um, there are two ways. Either bhikkhus will ordain bhikkhunis or bhikkhunis from another tradition will become Theravada bhikkhunis to ordain Theravada bhikkhunis. They temporarily become Theravada bhikkhunis to ordain the Theravada bhikkhunis? I, I don't know. That, that, that method I'm not in favor. I'm... 
less in favor of. It just seems too complicated and too open to criticism. Bhikkhus ordaining bhikkhunis is much better, much preferable, until there are enough bhikkhunis, of course, to do it themselves or to, to do the dual ordination. But even then, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Bhikkhus should be ordaining bhikkhunis. How much do you think is enough a meditation for lay people? How much what? How much meditation is enough for lay people? Until you become enlightened. I mean, there's no way to measure that. You are you and you have to become enlightened. It's not about putting in hours and getting paid for them. It's about becoming enlightened. And that's just a task that you have to do. It's going to take lots, probably lots and lots of hours and lots and lots of time and dedication and trial and error and um, adjustments in your practice, finding teachers, taking meditation courses, going off into the forest, abstaining from this and that, um, giving up this and that. It will be insights and epiphanies and tears and blood and sweat. Thorns. Thorns. Until what age is parental permission required? Did you say 20? No, you always need your parents' permission, unless they're dead. If they're dead, you don't need their permission. But even if you were older yourself, but your parents were still alive, they could say no? They could say no. Wow. Mm -hmm. the, the question uh, regarding how much meditation for lay people, um, the person met on a daily basis. So is there... I think it still holds. I mean, it's not really... You have to understand what you're asking. You know, enough for what? Enough to brag about? <laughs> enough to make me happy? Really, real question is how much is enough to become enlightened? And that's not something you can easily answer. Obviously, if you're doing 12, 14 hours a day, that's that's better than doing 10 minutes a day. Faster. But everyone has their own path. If you're doing zero, that's probably not enough. That's my usual answer. Zero is not enough. Bhante, I'm told that the schism between the Mahayana and Theravada practitioners is rooted in the expansion of Dhamma, supposedly passed down from the devas taught by the Buddha. Whether or not these teachings are of the Buddha, the Buddha channeled devas to some, to some extent and i am curious have you or any monks of your tradition experienced a meditation that includes an interaction with devas uh, simon's calling you out because you're not green did you meditate today let's look at bex see we've got this neat thing where we can look at your profile and see you haven't done any meditation on our site well, two people before were talking about how they just got home from work. So. No, because you can click on their username mm -hmm. and it shows the meditation log. Oh, okay. Well, so, the meditation log is empty. Oh, okay. Well, a couple of our, our orange people just got home from work, so we have to, That's cool. we have to give them a break. But I don't know. Should we answer the question? Yes, because I'd like to know. If that's one of the things you can talk about, is that one of the things now you that, can talk about? Now that about? we've shamed them sufficiently, <laughs> we can answer the question. Are you talking with the angels? Do monks, have you or monks in your tradition experienced a meditation that included an interaction with devas? Well, some people talk about it. From From what I've heard, from the stories I've heard, it sounds most of it can be explained away by other other causes although there are a couple of monks one monk in particular who's told who told me a whole bunch of stuff that he saw like angels and ghosts would come in and 
He once had an angel, I think it was, or a ghost, cut lie down on top of him and have sexual intercourse with him. Uh, but he may have just been crazy. I don't know. Schizophrenic. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe schizophrenics talk to angels. Maybe they can actually talk with them. There's more to the universe than we think. Physics doesn't explain everything because it can't touch the realm of the mind. The mind, you know, the everything that is outside of physics, anything that could possibly be outside of physics, couldn't even be detected by any instruments. It wouldn't register as energy. That's why you can't register the mind. You can't measure it. Well, someone noted in your video the other night with the interview with David that, that something at one point in the video, uh, something went by your head and I think they thought it was an angel or something. Maybe some it was a car. A, <laughs> some sort of a spirit orb. You never know. Pretty sure it was on the window. It was on the top of the window frame. Like uh, a reflection. Uh, yeah, on the edge of the window frame. You know, and that's why it looked like it was going on an angle because the window frame in the and yeah, it was probably a, yeah, who knows, maybe it was an angel. There's an interesting book called The Book of the Damned. I've brought that up before. I recommend everyone read that if you're interested in the limits of science and the potential problems that scientists run into. The Book of the Damned. It's not a religious book. It's a scientific book to some extent. It's a cult classic. It was written over 100 years ago. It started a whole movement, apparently. Has anyone read the Book of the Damned? D A M N E D. It's a very interesting read. More questions? You're all caught up on questions. I think Mike's got a question we missed. Did I? Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. Is it possible to become enlightened as a lay person? Yes. But if you become an arahant, you either pass away or you become a monk. That's what the tradition says. You can't stay as a lay person as an arahant. You would die. So I, has, it, I would speculate it has something to do with not getting food, not working, not having any interest in staying alive, but I'm not sure. Some people say it's just because it's too weighty. I think Nagasena in the Melinda Panha said, it's just too weighty. The circumstances would not allow for it. The universe would not allow for it. So it would conspire to push you in one direction or the other. So strange things might happen that make you die or, or become a monk. So historically in the texts, everyone who was known or thought to be enlightened went into the monastery within the seven days? Yes. look at Mike. Is Mike orange as well? What's his meditation schedule like? Oh no, Mike has a little bit of meditation. 15 minutes. So just this is um, for those of you who aren't aware, for who, for whom it isn't clear, this whole um, program that we have is designed around our meditation practice. So if you haven't read my booklet on how to meditate, that's where you should start. And once you've read that, the next step is to actually practice. And that's what this website, meditation.surimangalo.org, is designed to facilitate come on here and meditate with us yeah, there's people now there's people practicing all around the clock which is pretty awesome if you look at our these green bars on the page you can see when people are most likely to be meditating in the past week and obviously the most common is the hour before this program is on everybody comes together just before the program to clear our minds and get prepared for this session. Um, but yeah, it's all about 
the practice and our practice. I mean, it's a great tool for um, committing to, to practice and getting encouragement to practice. I think we got a good thing going here. It's just getting better. I mean, remember when it was only like two or three people and now we've got a list of, there must be, a, this list is huge, 20 some people, no? Yes, and when you when you first started this, this this group has been together over a year now. When you first started, you had the three different times. Well, I think it started with two different times: one in the morning and one at night. And the everyone would gather at those two times to meditate. Right. Then you put an afternoon session in, and from hmm. there it's kind of grown to around the clock, which is nice. That's nice. Is Buddhist news going to happen? How to submit articles? Right. Okay. Let's talk. Tomorrow evening, the plan is to do, to try something new. So we're going to do the, we're going to Buddha the news or Dhamma the news. Uh, I tried so, to talk Sanka into coming on and, and uh, being on the panel there. He he knows a lot of newsworthy things, but he, he had some excuse like it was 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. where he is or 6 a.m. or something. Like <laughs> Just because he's in Sri Lanka and it's 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. or something. No excuse. No excuse. Actually, it's a pretty good excuse. Um, so, okay, submitting articles. We'll have, we'll, we'll open up the Q&A box if we can. Um, otherwise, people can come on the Hangout. And... You know, all we have to do is this link up in the top, the URL up in the top. All we have to do is share that URL and people can join the Hangout on air, I think. Let's try it now. See if someone can join. Someone needs to join as a, as a test. I'm going to put the link in the chat box. Where are you seeing the URL, Bante? It's at the top of my browser page. I don't, maybe, just, maybe just yours. Yeah, because yours, I guess, opens in the opens in a window without a URL bar. Can anyone click on that link and join us? You need the plugin, and you need a G, G plus, Google Plus account. So far, no luck. I think you don't necessarily need a Google Plus account anymore. They um, because we were able to invite some people who had email that wasn't Gmail. I think they mm. that's one of the things there. Google is a little bit dismantling their G plus a little bit. They're not requiring so much interaction. Well, it looks like you still need to be invited to come on. It, we'll put it this way. Did anyone try or is everyone being camera shy out there? Maybe no. Maybe no one clicked on it. If you tried and you couldn't get in. Oh, ah, awesome. Okay, so it works. Awesome. Because I didn't invite anybody, so we have a interloper, which is awesome. Someone who just... I think is that T-Rose? That is. Welcome. Welcome. Bhante, do you know the folks in Hamilton doing the mindfulness research? At this Buddhism conference recently, there was a comment about their work. So much interaction. Well, it looks like you still need to be invited. Well, if you're in the Hangout, you have to turn off the YouTube video. Try, or is everyone being camera shy out there? Maybe no, maybe no one clicked on it. We're here. If you tried and you couldn't get in. Just We're here. Uh, Hi. Just Hi. mute. Yep, just mute your. Turn off the YouTube video, please. Yeah, mute. Or turn off the the old one. Got it. Oops. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> you know why they took them so long to get in, Robin? Because they were watching the YouTube video, which is Oh, 30 second delay. Yes. 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 <laughs> Welcome, everyone. So say hi. Hello. Hello. We've never met hi. Rebecca and <laughs> So this Rebecca is Rebecca. Is two people. Rebecca yeah, and, Tha. and Tha. Oh, the Flash. Hi. Mm -hmm. Wow. All right, so this was a test to see if we could actually invite people, which is awesome. We can. That worked well. That worked very well. So 
So tomorrow people can join, present their news article, tell us about it, because the, the, the deal is, if you give us a link, if you just give us a link to a news article, um, it may be that I, you know, chances are I don't know much about the, the, the article, about the, the issue. Maybe Robin, Robin, are you at all into the news? Um, sometimes. I do work at a newspaper, but sometimes but sometimes I, I ignore things too. Well, so, uh, Robin will help, but if you come on and explain the issue to us and wh what sort of question you have for us in regards to the article, wh why you think it'd be interesting and what you want to hear our opinion on, opinions on, and if you want to stay on and talk, that's fine too. If you want to stay on and give your opinion, we'll, uh, we'll keep it kind of open and flowing, but yeah. then people can leave and join. And if you're not talking, we, if you're not like presenting an article or engaged in, in the panel, then you can leave and let someone else come in. I mean, I'm not thinking, probably won't have a full hangout because a lot of people don't want to get into it. But if it starts to get full, then they can just suggest that people leave if they're not participating, because they can watch via YouTube. Well, that's cool. That's good to know. For so our tomorrow. Um, right. Yes, tomorrow's Monday, yeah. That's great to know that you can just post a link, too, and people can join in on our Hangout, because that will help so much with our volunteer meetings. There's mm -hmm. been so much confusion on, on my end with just trying to set up invites for that, so much easier way of doing things. All right, so um, bring your news articles tomorrow. Do you have any restrictions on what kind of news articles you want to discuss, or is it anything goes? Anything goes. Okay, anything but, goes. But we, we will thumbs up good news. If you happen to find, I know it's difficult. If you happen to find an article that is a good that is good news, we'll be happy. If you find news that is bad news, we'll still be happy. But not because <laughs> of your news article. Because we're being mindful. Sometimes I feel like I've missed the boat this lifetime. What is the best recommendation to increase odds to be a Buddhist monk in the next? Well, it's not about becoming a Buddhist monk. You're, it's never too late to practice. But it's about practice, not about ordination. I don't like to talk so much about ordination anymore because I find a lot of people are fixated on it and they overlook the practice aspect. The only reason you should be ordaining, and I mean, I'm a hypocrite. I mean, I had the worst track record ordination, worst story of ordination ever not the worst there's a lot of bad stories out there but yeah um do what i say do as i say not as i do um you should only ordain when you're really proficient in meditation when it's just gotten to the point where it's the natural next step i think so maybe that's pushing a little too hard I don't mean it quite that you've already become enlightened, but you're just like intent upon the meditation and the reason for ordaining is to meditate more. That people who didn't weren't really interested in meditation but still wanted to become monks, which not a good reason. So if a person feels that their their daily life is too busy, they're never finding time to meditate, that you know, becoming a monk is not really yeah. not really gonna going to help that if you're not prioritizing it right now or well no i mean if you are meditating or trying to meditate and you feel like i should become a monk so i can meditate more i think that's reasonable but you make a good point that you should be able to do it as a lay person as well so you start practicing intensively as a lay person and like on the one hand i was it was pretty clear that that's where i was headed i was staying in a monastery keeping eight precepts i was pretty dedicated and always have been. I've never switched meditation schools, traditions, techniques. Switched teachers, but since practicing, well, that's different. But um, 
Yeah, it's that, that. I think that's 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 a kind of essential. You know, if someone is not clear which meditation technique they want to do, likes doing things like yoga and tai chi, and is concerned about nutrition and whatever. You know, if you're not really set and say, this is, I'm just going to go for it, um, you won't last. You know, I've had people who ordain and then don't like going on alms round and they think they feel awkward going on alms round so they disrobe or or that they don't want to ordain because they've tried going on alms round with the monks and it just feels like, why are we doing this kind of thing? I mean, if you don't get it, and and if you don't get the meditation, if you don't get the whole big picture, maybe that's a little too harsh. I mean, people should be allowed to ordain. I don't want to restrict and so on, but because sometimes after you ordain, then you realize there is the case where people ordain for the wrong reasons and wind up realizing the right reasons after they ordain. That does happen, so. Well, they shouldn't be so strict. But best recommendation is still practice meditation. Don't worry so much about ordaining, especially for in this case where you feel kind of discouraged that you've you you're, it's too late. It's not too late. Maybe too late to ordain for sure. That happens. But it's never too late to start meditating. Meditating is right now, this moment. That's the, the breath of fresh air. We've got eternity to figure this all out. Problem is, we may soon lose track of the of Buddhism, and if we lose sight of Buddhism, the Buddhist teaching could be an eternity before we ever become enlightened. We may never become enlightened. What are your thoughts about Mateya and the Tusita Heaven Inner Circle? since the pure Dhamma is disappearing rather no, quickly no, here. No, no, no. It doesn't sound like a good question. Is it a good question, Robin? I don't want to talk about doozy to heaven. It doesn't sound like a meditation question. It's not a meditation question, did it no. Start with, did it start with what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts no, about too, too late for thoughts. Too late for too thoughts. Too late for thoughts. Okay, is this something you want to, you want to try tomorrow when, when no, the brain is working really. better? Okay. Sticking with, sticking with practice questions. Practice questions. Bande, did you meet Balangoda Ananda Mateya Taro? No. No. That he's passed away. Uh, so your teacher's in conflict with mindfulness. I'm just looking at this website. I think there's a Hamilton in Australia, and I think that's what you're thinking of. Oh. I'm in Hamilton, Canada, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Pretty sure there's a Hamilton in Australia. So your teacher's birthday is next week. 21st. It'd be nice if we could all say happy birthday to him too. Well, we could send him a video, video, send him a DVD or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, someone's going to let him know that we're started the monastery. It's very busy. And he'll be only well they, they 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 keep him secluded during his birthday because he ends up having to sit in a chair for like hours. I wanna say eight hours, it's probably more than that per day, just receiving gifts and giving blessings and it's just intense and thousands of people coming lining up to see him for a moment and give him a gift and they're bringing to, a lot of money, I think, and, and just you know, incredible crowds, and and then all that he's doing is, um, you know, he arranges to have, to invite monks to give talks, and it's a huge. I mean, it's a just a huge version of the standard Thai birthday, um, inviting monks to give talks and do chanting, and he invites hundreds and hundreds of monks to receive gifts so the gifts that he's giving fill up a whole floor of this building and it's just like so one one year it was like they give out several hundred fridges refrigerators each monk had to had to cart a refrigerator home <laughs> uh just 
uh, it's a real circus but i mean not i don't mean that in a pejorative sense it's really it's an awesome time i mean maybe a little over the top but that sounds exhausting even if you're not 92. right so the point is he is exhausted through it mm. it's it's exhausting yeah i can see that Anyway, let's uh, let's end there. Thank you all for tuning in. Tune in tomorrow night where we monk the news. <laughs> so, Bring uh, you news articles. Buddhist news. A Buddhist take on the news. Okay. Thank, thank you, Bhante. Thank you, Robin. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Have a good night. Good night.